Hello and welcome to Newsmakers on CHCH Podcast. I'm your host, Louis Butko, and on today's show, I'm very pleased to be joined by the leader of the Ontario Green Party, Mike Schreiner. Born the son of Kansas grain farmers, Schreiner became involved with the Green Party in 2004 and was acclaimed as leader of the Provincial Green Party in 2008. After a few attempts, he was elected as the party's first ever MPP in the riding of Guelph in 2018, capturing 45% of the vote and was re-elected again in 2022. During his time at Queen's Park, Schreiner has introduced bills to cap Ontario's carbon emissions, to mandate yearly emissions numbers reports, eliminate sick notes, conserve drinking water and get big money out of politics. In 2023, he helped his party double its seat, successfully campaigning for Ashland Clancy in a Kitchener Centre by-election. And when he's not at Queen's Park, he's spending time with his wife and two daughters. And uh, Mr. Schreiner, thank you so much for making the time today. And I want to start with, how does the son of grain farmers from Wakini, Kansas uh, end up an MPP, the first ever MPP of the Ontario Green Party? I'm sure there's a lot that went into it, but give us the Cliff Notes version. How do you go from from a, a Kansas farmer to a leader of the Green Party here in Ontario. Well, I moved to Ontario for love and fell in love with Ontario. It's the best province <laughs> and the best country, best place anywhere in the world to live. And uh, the longer I lived here, I started a couple businesses, ran some nonprofit organizations, and just decided that I wanted to serve my community by getting engaged in politics. And the Green Party reflected my values, and I brought my entrepreneurial spirit uh, to leading the Green Party. And, uh, you know, we elected our first Green in 2018, and we've now doubled our caucus, and we have a green wave growing Hmm. here in Ontario because I believe people like our approach to politics. Uh, Let's look back on 2023. We mentioned uh, Ashland Clancy uh, doubling your seats in caucus. But when you look back on, on 2023, what are you most proud of? Well, I think one of the biggest accomplishments was the citizens' movement to protect the Greenbelt. We know how vital it is to protect the farmland that feeds us and contributes $50 billion to Ontario's economy, the wetlands and forests that do so much to clean our drinking water and uh, protect us from the increasing frequency and severity of extreme weather events, especially flooding. And so the fact that, you know, I was a part of helping lead a citizens movement that pushed back on the premier said, keep your promise uh, not to develop the Greenbelt, not to, you know, benefit a handful of wealthy, well-connected land speculators at the expense of ordinary Ontarians was quite an accomplishment. And related to that, I'm very proud of the work the Ontario Greens have done putting forward solutions to the housing crisis. You know, some have described our plan as a masterclass plan in delivering the solutions uh, to the housing crisis. And what we have shown is that it would be much more affordable and effective for people to build homes that people can afford in the communities they know and love instead of paving over our farmlands and the places we we love in Ontario. Uh, Let's jump into that because you've recently launched a petition uh, calling on the government to legalize it. Uh, And now normally when we talk about the Green Party and legalize it, it usually means something different. You mean housing. (laughs) What do you mean by that? Legalize it when it comes to housing. Yeah, there are many neighborhoods in Ontario right now where it is illegal to build a fourplex or a four-story walk uh, apartment. Uh, And so what we're saying is, you know, we have to legalize building housing. And if we can build homes that people can afford in the communities, neighborhoods they know and love, we can quickly ramp up housing supply and we can do it in a way that's more affordable 
because the infrastructure, water lines, sewer lines, roads, power lines, uh, libraries, police stations, fire stations are already in place in those neighborhoods. So that's the fastest and most affordable way to increase housing supply. And I'm also saying we need to legalize six to 11 story buildings along major transportation corridors to not only quickly increase housing supply again in a places it's more affordable, but to also make our main streets more vibrant and support the great local businesses that are in communities across Ontario. And I think it's wrong that in many places it's illegal to do that, hmm. that people who want to build those and expand the number of housing choices for people have to go through, you know, long delays that cost time and money, which to me makes absolutely no sense when we're in a housing crisis. I mean, so many young people, my, my daughter being one of them, are wondering if they'll ever be able to afford a home, let alone pay the rent. It's absolutely outrageous and completely unacceptable that so many people are living in tents when we know that housing should be a human right. And the Ontario Greens are going to continue to put forward solutions to make housing more affordable and attainable for people across all age and demographic uh, groups in our in our communities. Now, you, you mentioned these ideas and, and they seem like straightforward ideas, you know, infill, things like that, you know, where there are already services. I know you sat down with Mike Moffat recently. He was a guest on our podcast a few months ago where he, he pitched these ideas, you know, uh, timber, uh, building with timber and all that stuff. Why do you think the Ford government is so, uh, you know, not willing to listen to these sorts of ideas? Their plans are to expand MZ or to approve MZOs or to expand urban boundaries and, uh, you know, build on the green belt couple of those have been reversed, but why do you feel like these, what seem like common sense solutions are not breaking through when it comes to what you hear from Minister Calandra? Well, it's because the Ontario Greens are listening to ordinary Ontarians and they are telling us that they want homes that they can afford in the communities they know and love, close to their friends and family, close to where they work. They want to live more affordable lifestyles. They don't want long, soul-crushing, expensive commutes. But unfortunately, the Ford government seems to be listening to a handful of land speculators who want to cash in billions at our expense. And you know what? I encourage them to not only listen to ordinary Ontarians and what they need in terms of addressing the housing crisis, but why not listen to those developers who want to build multiplexes, who want to build six to 11 story uh, buildings along major transportation corridors, who want to deliver the gentle density and missing mental housing that we desperately need in our communities. Listen to the municipal councils who are saying, we don't want to increase property taxes at the rate we're being forced to because of the Ford government, because you're one, taking away our ability to build infrastructure for new, new homes, but you're also imposing expensive sprawl on our communities. And so I would say, you know, this is really, are you going to act in the interests of ordinary Ontarians or are you going to roll out the red carpet and uh, break all the rules for a handful of land speculators to cash in billions? I'll choose ordinary Ontarians any day. Um, speaking of ordinary uh, Ontarians and you know what, what it appears that what the Ford government is doing, yesterday uh, you wrote a letter to the Auditor General asking to conduct a value-for-money audit on the decision to close service Ontario locations and put them into uh, Staples and Walmarts in Ontario. Obviously not something that Queen's Park was consulted on or, or yourself. Um, what's the purpose of this audit and what do you make of, of a decision like that? Does it go along what you're saying and not listening to ordinary citizens? Well, I think it's outrageous that we as a citizen of Ontario 
are being asked to use our tax dollars to fund renovations at big box stores uh, like Staples and Walmart that are American owned uh, in order to transfer public services like Service Ontario to them. Like, why are we as taxpayers being forced to pay for this? It makes absolutely no sense. Another example of the Ford government prioritizing the interests of wealthy insiders over the people of Ontario. And we've seen this pattern uh, throughout the course of this government. I mean, during the pandemic, they closed local small businesses and left big box stores open. They did a sole source contract for Shoppers Drug Mart to distribute vaccines freezing out other other pharmacies and independent players. Sole source contract for you know an Austrian-based company to build a mega luxury spa at Ontario Place. Um, a handful of land speculators being able to cash in $8.3 billion through their Greenbelt scandal. I am saying this has to stop. We have to prioritize the needs of ordinary Ontarians, the affordability of people in our communities, not prioritizing the interests of wealthy, well-connected insiders. That's why I've asked the Auditor General to do a value for money audit. Why don't we have a transparent, open bidding process that would allow Ontario businesses and local uh, independent businesses to be able to bid on this? And why are taxpayers going to be on the hook for retrofitting stores at Staples and Walmart? It makes absolutely no sense. Based on what you've seen from this premier and his government, do you believe that Premier Ford is corrupt? Well, you know what? We're going to let the RCMP investigation uh, bring that determination. We'll let the people of Ontario determine that. But I will tell you, it is clear that the decisions that led to the uh, $8.3 billion Greenbelt scandal, that was a corrupt decision-making process. And the government was right to completely reverse it. And one of the reasons I called for a public inquiry is we need to understand how such a corrupt decision-making process was allowed to happen to ensure it never happens again. A handful of wealthy Ford-connected land speculators who happen to you know, show up at weddings and stag and bill parties should not be able to cash in $8.3 billion at our expense, especially when we're facing a housing crisis where we need to build homes that people can afford in the communities they know and love, and especially when we're also facing a climate crisis. And we know that the severity and frequency of extreme weather events, especially flooding, is costing people's lives, livelihood, uh, threatening their property to pave over the you know farmland, wetlands, and forests that protect us from those extreme weather events it is wrong. And so I want to know the you know what led to that corrupt decision making process that led to the eight point three billion dollar greenbelt scandal. Uh, you you brought up the paving over uh, farmlands, wetlands, that being Highway four thirteen. Uh, do you believe that Highway four one three four thirteen, whatever they decide to call it, um, is necessary? And and what's the alternative to to easing congestion on on highways? Well, it's completely physically irresponsible and um, environmentally destructive to build a 400 series highway that will pave over 400 acres of the Greenbelt, 2,000 acres is some of the best farmland in North America, when just a few kilometers south of there, you already have a 400 series highway, the 407, that's underutilized. It would be far cheaper for the government to cover the tolls for truckers on the 407 than it would be to build Highway 413. And by doing that, we could alleviate gridlock tomorrow. Hmm. Not 10 years into the future, but tomorrow. 
And so we're calling on the government to do the fiscally responsible and the environmentally responsible thing and to shelve Highway 413 and to better utilize Highway 407 so we can alleviate gridlock now and we can save taxpayers billions of dollars that should be invested in our crumbling healthcare system, should be invested in building more uh, affordable housing to address the housing affordability crisis and should be um, invested in our education system so we can improve the quality of education in this province. There are far higher priorities for those billions of dollars that will benefit and improve people's lives now. Now let's go back to uh, MPP Clancy being elected. Obviously, a, a big moment for for your party a few months ago. Uh, when you look ahead to twenty twenty six, how what would success look like for the Green Party in the next few years? What would it look like in twenty twenty six? Obviously, you are a leader of a party. Your goal is to form the government. But that being said, what would you consider a success going into twenty twenty six? Well, the Ontario Greens feel like we're, we're ready to form government. I mean, we're putting forward what, you know, a lot of experts have called the best plans to address the housing crisis, the mental health crisis, the climate crisis. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're, we're ready to form government. And I can tell you in PEI, the Greens went from their first seat to winning their second seat in a by-election to actually running and coming close to forming government and being the official opposition. And so that's exactly, you know, where, what the Ontario Greens are targeting. And the reason why we're confident in this is I think Ontarians are getting sick and tired of politics as usual. They want a new party who's going to do politics differently. That's why um, Ashlyn Clancy did so well in the Kitchener Centre by-election. People are saying, you know what, we need a party that's going to oppose the other parties when needed. And it's going to work across party lines when needed as well. I'm more than happy to work with the Ford government or the Liberals or the NDP if it means putting the people of Ontario first. We will always put people before politics. We will always put good public policy ahead of our partisan self-interest. And I think that's the kind of politics people want, especially as we see this increasingly polarized world, especially south of the border. And I think one of the reasons, you know, people are are looking to the Ontario Greens and placing their trust in us with their vote like they did in Kitchener Centre is because they want new ideas, new solutions, a new way of doing politics. That's what the Ontario Greens are delivering for people. What's the plan to recruit candidates, high profile candidates, candidates well-known in their communities, in their ridings. How, how do you go after those people and convince them first that they should run for the Greens and then that uh, people should vote for them? Well, I think, first of all, people are seeing what uh, I'm accomplishing in my own riding, what other Greens like Mike Morris at the federal level is accomplishing in Kitchener Center for their communities. And so I think that's a selling point. Most people who want to go into politics they want to serve their community. They want to improve life for their neighbors. That's exactly what Ontario Greens prioritize, serving your community above our partisan uh, political self-interest. Secondly, I think on the big issues people are facing right now, the affordability challenges, the housing crisis, the climate crisis, how do we position our economy to be successful in the fast-growing emerging climate economy? It's the Ontario Greens that are putting forward these solutions to address these challenges that will improve people's day-to-day -day lives. Uh, and so, you know, we have a number of people actually reaching out to us hmm. saying, hey, we like 
your approach to politics. We want to run for you. How can we, you know, sign up to be a candidate? So in addition to us proactively recruiting people, we're having more and more candidates come to us and say, hey, we want to be a part of the green team. We want to be a part of the momentum in this green wave that we see building in Ontario. Uh, around this time last year, you were approached by a number of uh, Liberal caucus members, including uh, the woman you beat in 2018, uh, to consider running for the Liberals in their leadership race. You eventually decided not to. Um, take us through that decision-making process, and do you have any regrets about that? No, no regrets at all. I um, had you know a serious offer by people I deeply respect, and I'm always looking for ways of how we work across party lines to improve people's lives. And I think in the in this case, it was worth considering uh, how uh, Greens and Liberals might work together. Ultimately decided that the best way that I can serve my community and our province is as the Ontario Green leader. I consulted openly and transparently with people across the province. That's what I heard loud and clear. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of the work that the Ontario Greens have accomplished at Queen's Park, and I think we were rewarded um, with that work by doubling our caucus with the election of Ashley Clancy and Kitchener Centre. Uh, give me a reason I should be optimistic in 2024. Give me a reason you're optimistic in 2024. Uh, what is there to be to be positive about going into the new year? Well, first of all, let's hope that interest rates start to go down because I know a number of folks, including myself, are renewing our mortgages this year. <laughs> and, uh, and that's a huge expense for all of us. Um, I'm optimistic that on February 28th, the bill I've put forward, um, Homes You Can Afford and Communities You Love Act, is going to pass. And we're actually going to start putting forward real solutions to the housing crisis, solutions that will help us build more homes that people can afford in the communities they know and love. I think it would be a great way to kick off the spring sitting of, of the legislature. Uh, and I'm also um, optimistic that citizens have found their voice. You know, since the last provincial election, when the Ford government tried to take away the constitutional rights, charter rights of the lowest paid education workers in this province, people pushed back, the government backtracked. When the Ford government tried to open the Greenbelt for development, so a handful of you know wealthy, well-connected Ford insiders could cash in $8.3 billion, people pushed back, the government backtracked. When the government tried to impose expensive sprawl on communities like Ham cities like Hamilton and others all across the province, people mobilized and pushed back, the government backtracked. I think we're starting to see the emergence of a people-powered movement that's saying we want a government that's going to put the interests of everyday Ontarians ahead of those of wealthy, well-connected insiders. And uh, I, I'm going to continue to build on the momentum working with you know, farmers, citizens groups, community groups, environmental groups, uh, and others in our communities who are saying we have to address the healthcare crisis, the housing crisis, the climate crisis in ways that put people uh, before wealthy insiders. MPP Schreiner, I really appreciate you making the time today. Thank you very much. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime. My thanks to Mike Schreiner, the leader of the Provincial Green Party, for joining me today. And that about wraps up our uh, look with the Ontario Party leaders. Once again, my thanks to uh, Mike Schreiner, my thanks to Bonnie Crombie and Marit Stiles, who joined me in the last few weeks, and Premier Doug Ford. The invitation is still out there for you. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the show. We'd love to talk to you about 2024, about 2023. If you ever find time in your schedule, 
Uh, the invitation is there. But one more time, thank you, Mike Schreiner, for making time today. Thank you for joining us because we really do appreciate it. Make sure you like and subscribe to CHCH Podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can catch this episode on YouTube if you want to watch it. Maybe you listen to it, you want to watch it. Uh, you can go to our YouTube page or you can go to chch.com slash podcasts. Uh, my thanks to Chantel for directing today's episode. And one more time, thank you for joining us from all of us here at CHCH. I'm Louis Butko. Have a great day.